Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So tonight, I want to teach a quick lesson called Posture of a Leader. Positioning yourself for success and for promotion. The posture of a leader. So I want you to think about what does posture mean? Debbie Lou, what's posture? What is your posture? Like when we say her posture is bad, what do we mean? Okay, good. How she carries herself like slouching, right? Whenever I was in middle school, I was taller than all the boys, so I would walk around like this. <laughs> My mom would say, Jen, stand up straight, right? Stand up straight. Okay, so that's your posture. Well, there's a posture of a leader. There's a posture that positions you for success and for promotion. Um, so there was this study on plants. They created this perfect laboratory and it was like this huge dome and they put plants and trees and all these things inside they gave them just the right perfect soil just the perfect amount of water just the perfect amount of sunlight and they planted these trees in this perfect utopia for plants to grow and what happened was over the years the the trees grew but they didn't grow very tall and they didn't grow very big and very sturdy they grew and the scientists were like what is going on? Perfect soil, perfect water, perfect amount of sunlight, everything by the book. What was missing? Does anybody have any idea? Yeah? Okay, good. But there was one thing missing. John says music. Adrian says they weren't designed for that. Finally got it. The answer is that there was no wind. The resistance that trees experience as they're growing in the natural world causes them to grow stronger roots and to grow stronger and bear more fruit. And so the things in life that we face, trials come, circumstances come, hardship comes, but wind is what develops us. And there are certain character traits. Listen, there are certain character traits in your life that won't get developed without time and trials. Through time and trials, character is formed. And so it's, it's really hard, to, it's easy to say this, it's easy to quote that scripture, I consider it pure joy whenever I encounter tests and trials of any sort, because I know that the development of my faith, oh yeah, all that, we say it, we quote it, but when we're going through it, and literally our heart is broken, and we can't seem to get the tears to stop flowing, and our, we're just, we can't seem to pull ourselves up, and somebody tells us, consider it pure joy. I want to slap that person. You consider it pure joy. No, I'm not joyful about this trial. But then usually looking back, I go, wow, that was hard. That was the darkest, hardest season of my life. I did not know if I was going to survive. I was like for trying to get my head above water in that dark season. But, man, God worked that for my good. And I can see character in my life now that that wind got me ready for. I can see the development. And so if we can find the strength to say, consider it pure joy in the wind, okay, this wind is blowing me. This wind is making me feel stretched. This wind is making me feel uncomfortable. This wind is making me feel like I want it to stop. I hate the wind, by the way. Like when the wind is blowing outside, I would rather just stay inside. This wind is making me feel gritty and dry and uncomfortable, but it's for my good, and I would rather be outside in this wind than in a laboratory not growing. 
right? I would rather be outside in this trial of life than inside in this perfect utopia where I'm a twig and I can't handle anything, right? So we have to embrace and lean into the testing and the preparation and the training and the development of what God does in our lives through trials and time. We have only two responses, resist or lean into. Resist or grow from. Resist or accept. And the moment that we choose to go, okay, God, you're using this for my good. I'm going to accept this. I'm going to embrace this. And I'm going to see how this causes me to grow. Then now we've started to grow. In fact, the rate at which we grow and develop in life is directly connected to our position and posture of humility, teachability, trainability. How many of you have ever tried to train anybody in your job? Raise your hand. Okay. Is it possible to train somebody who doesn't want to be trained? No. You might as well just not try. It's impossible. In order to be trained, we have to want to be trained. And so that has to be our attitude with God, and it has to be our attitude in life. Okay. So I'm going to talk to you about four postures. I mean, it's not like four. This isn't my four points or anything. This is just a game to make you laugh, hopefully. Did I drop one? No, I got them. Pause, please. We need, a, we need a, an intermission. Whoever's first can go. John's ears are turning bright red. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, Michelle, here's what we're going to do. You have your character. These are all characters from the Bible, okay? So you have to guess which character in the Bible who was a leader, because these are all four examples of postures of leaders, okay? <laughs> you cannot say it's charades. So you can use your hands. You can use, you can't say anything. <laughs> you want me to come help you? Okay. Okay, so everybody, come on, give it up for Michelle. I'm going to help her out. I'm here and I am sleeping. Okay. Go, Michelle. And y'all got to shout it out. Somebody already said it. Who said it? <laughs> what? <laughs> Matt broke the eyes. Okay, that was Ruth. I was Boaz, and she was covering herself. She was going, wake in and cover yourself with my mantle. Okay. All right, y'all don't get no help. Okay, shout it out if you know who John is. There's more. They said David. Okay. David, what is David doing? <laughs> Somebody said it. Somebody said it. D worshiping. David worshiping. Good job, John. Give it up for John. <laughs> okay. John is going to assist Matthew. <laughs> Now, remember, we're guessing which Bible character Matthew is. Oh, gosh. 
Oh my gosh. There we go. Adrian already got it. Give it up for Matthew. Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Okay, and last but not least, the lovely, the gorgeous Erica. You got this girl. Okay, I'll help you all out. She's not a girl. She's a man. Daniel praying at the open window. Good job, Erica. Good job. Y'all give it up for our actors. Good job, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. John, put those shoes back on. <laughs> There's some in the sound booth. Okay, so let's go through them. Num who was the first one? Ruth. Ruth represents a posture of working. She was working in the fields whenever she was chosen, right? Okay, let's move on. Who was the second one? David, worshiping. A leader is a worshiper. If we're going to position ourselves properly, we have to be worshipers. Who was the third one? Jesus, serving, right? He was a servant. And the last one? Daniel. And what was Daniel doing? Praying. Literally, against the king's wishes, by an open window. Daniel didn't let fear stop him from, or it, it didn't hold him back from living out his love and his service to God, right? Okay, so positioning ourselves as leaders is always, 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 always rooted first in a posture of humility. Always. John chapter 8, verse 28, Matt, if you don't mind, throw that up. The second part of that verse, this is Jesus. He says, I do nothing on my own but say only what the Father has taught me. Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own. I only say what the Father has taught me. And in every single aspect of our lives, our attitude, our posture should be that of humility saying, Lord, I'm nothing without you. I can do nothing without you. I am this close to it all unraveling. Today, as I was praying and preparing, I could just see in the spirit, everything that's right in life right now is because of God's grace. It's because of his hand on our lives. It's because of his mercy. It is not because of my abilities, my strength, my, my superhuman wisdom. It is absolutely not. We are all this close from it all unraveling by stepping out of God's will and compromising. And that's the truth of the matter. The moment that you walk around thinking, it couldn't be me, I, I couldn't do that, we're really good at being critical of other people who fall, right? We're really good of, of going, oh, my gosh, that's awful. We hear stories of pastors and leaders that have fallen into sin, and we're like, what is wrong with them? Well, we're all this close. Every moment of every day, we live our lives saying, I am nothing without you, Lord. Everything good in my life comes from you. Everything good in my life is from you. I need you. I need you in every part of my life. And I'm very aware that I need Jesus. I need the cross in order to continue to make these right decisions and to live in your perfect will. An attitude of humility. Um, a posture of learning. And this also goes with a posture of humility. Actually, they all fall under a posture of humility. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. 
If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Having an attitude of inclining your heart to understanding, it said. Listen, all of the great intellect and growth and development and podcasts and trainings and conferences and all these things that are out there for Christians right now. You could literally get on your Instagram and scroll through and get about four mini sermons right now by all the Christians that are out there posting all these powerful things, right? It is at your disposal. But if your heart is not inclined to understanding, all of that head knowledge and intellect is not going to do you any good. I can preach the direct, powerful sermon. In fact, Jesus could walk in here tonight and preach you a sermon. And if your heart is not inclined to understanding and wanting the things of God, you will walk out of here and not be, and not be changed. It happened when Jesus walked the earth. It happened when he was here teaching under the power of God. There were people who were not changed by his teaching and chose not to lean in and incline their heart to understanding. Inclining your heart to understanding, there will be times in instruction and learning and growth and development and maturing where somebody will will sit you down and kindly go, hey, I love you. I'm for you. I believe in you. You're doing great. But can I talk to you about something that's been bothering me and concerning me? And they start to talk to you, and immediately your intellect is like, who do you think you are? I don't have that in my life. Our flesh does not like instruction. I don't know why, but you get in the car with your spouse and try to drive around in Lubbock, and you, they do not want you to give them directions. Right? Matt and I don't do well at that. Well, hold on. He, well, I won't get into that. It's me. I'm the navigator. I want you to go my way. Okay, but isn't that a perfect example of us just not liking instruction? We're just not liking to be told. And a lot of it has to do with your, our age. There's certain ages in life where we really think we know, and then there's certain ages where we're like, I don't know anything. Please help me. I don't know how to do this. And then there's just different seasons of life. But if we're inclining our heart to understanding, then when that instruction comes and our intellect doesn't quite understand, our heart is going to go, I don't want to be that way. Talk to me some more. You see that in my life? Talk to me. I don't want to be that way. Your spouse, your, your friend, your close friend, your mentor, your pastor, whoever it is, your boss, if somebody sits down and takes the time to lovingly instruct you, guys, don't resist that. Don't, don't devalue that. I hate to throw this card out there, but my mentor passed away a year ago. And there were seasons where she would say, y'all don't even know the stuff that I got. She would sit me down back there on a Sunday morning after service and lovingly correct my booty and tell me what was in my life that needed to be cleaned up. Lovingly but firm. Do you think I would welcome that today? There are days that I walk around, I'm like, oh, if I could just call mom, she would know exactly what's wrong with me. She would know exactly how I needed to clean my life up or what was going on. Incline your heart to understanding because it's valuable and it's for your good. If somebody loves you enough to sit you down and talk to you, it's like, I should probably stop and value this because this can make me better. If your heart is for understanding. Okay. Um, Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 
I pray this prayer over my life all the time. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender and responsive heart. David made a big mistake, right? He committed adultery and he murdered someone. But he was so tender and responsive when the prophet came to him and said, David, what you have done is wrong. And he was confronted with truth. What did he do? He went to the altar and he repented and he told God, I am sorry. Tender and responsive. We will make mistakes in this life. We will. We're not going to be perfect. But if our response is tender and responsive, then we can grow and we can change and we can become better. You're going to be, you're going to learn for the rest of your life. I, I don't care how old you are. Like, how many of you have ever had a an, 70-something-year-old an or an 80-something-year-old go, baby, would you come over here and help me with this cell phone? Show me how to do that. Show me how to send that text message out. I went and visited my 80-something-year-old grandma, and I love her. I could just sit at the table and learn from her for hours. But when it was time to work on electronic, who did she ask? Because she's still learning. For the rest of our lives, we will be in a position of learning and instruction. You never outgrow it. So if you're under the age of 45, go ahead and just accept it. It's, you're going to be, it's okay. You don't know it all. It's okay. Because after 45, you know you don't know it all. Okay. That's when you're like, oh, I don't know it all. Huh. Wow. I thought all these years I knew it all. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going. Oh, I'm just going to say this real quick. Most of the time when there's pride or resistance towards instruction or resistance towards just, I don't know, just being easy and being like, my favorite is when I deal with somebody and I'm like, his shirt is really pretty blue. And they're like, it's not blue. I'm all, yeah, it's blue. And they're all, no, it's, it's like a grayish, bluish, navy-ish. I'm like, it's blue. But those types of people who want to argue every point, that's a fruit of pride. That's a symptom of pride. But most of the time, to be honest, guys, if you're struggling with pride, it's just cloaking insecurity. It's like putting on a real heavy coat to cover up the insecurity that's going on on the inside. So if somebody sits you down, I've gotten really, really, really good at telling Matt, babe, I'm bothered. So if I'm hard to deal with, forgive me ahead of time. I don't know what's going on, but I'm upset and I'm bothered. If someone sits you down, here's a, here's a good practical advice. If someone that you trust as a godly voice into your life says, I've just noticed some pride. I'm, I'm concerned about you. Or anything. Not just pride, anything. Just go, you're right. You know what? I'm bothered. <laughs> I know. I, I don't feel like myself. I'm, a, I'm, I'm irritable at home. I'm grumpy. Just admit it. And then, they, and then together you can work on it. You can pray together and you can unite your hearts together and you can have a responsive heart. And then you can grow in closeness with one another too. Nothing grows you and knits you together closer than when in humility. The Bible says confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Okay? Find somebody in your life that you can trust and then lean in to instruction. How about a posture of accountability? Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 17. I posted watchmen over you who said, listen for the sound of the alarm. 
But you replied, no, we won't pay attention. Okay, Jesus, God posted watchmen to watch over the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem was surrounded by what? It's not like cities that we have today. They were surrounded by, think of Jericho, walls, say it louder, walls, walls, okay, walls, okay, good. So it's surrounded by walls, and they would post on top of these walls watchmen that were appointed by, diff- appointed by God to watch over. What were they looking for? Enemies. So they could then warn the people inside the walls, sound the alarm, the enemy's coming, the enemy's coming, the enemy's coming. Can you imagine if I'm standing down there going, no, I'm not going to pay attention. Like, good job, watchmen. See you later. I'm going to go back to eating my brunch now. (laughs) No. Because then what would happen? I would die. (laughs) If the enemy's coming to attack the city and I don't listen and I just go back to eating brunch, I would be among the spoils, right? (laughs) Me and all my household in a New King James Version. So we have to acknowledge God has placed watchmen for what purpose? To protect us. If the watchman sees the enemy, it means you're already in danger. If the watchman is sounding the alarm, it means you're already about to get taken out. So if the watchman, and the other thing is, this is what I've seen true in my life, and maybe it's not true for your life. Most of the time when the watchman, the Holy Spirit is a watchman. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is a watchman. Most of the time, if someone close to me goes, Jen, can I talk to you about something? It's usually my husband (laughs) or my mom or Mom Senna, um, if they sit down and, and, and say, can I talk to you about something? Usually it's something the Holy Spirit's already been sounding the alarm about in my life, and I've just ignored it. So it's a good thing. It reinforces and protects us a posture of accountability. We should be accountable to someone above us. We should be accountable to someone below us. And we should be accountable to someone as our peer. So I'm, I'm not telling you this and not living it. As soon as mom sent a past, I remember the moment that I lost my mentor and my pastor. And my relationship with her was not some distant mentor relationship. She was up in my life and up in my business and I was up in hers. And I loved it and I embraced it. And when it was hard, I just embraced it some more. But when she passed away, I remember the moment I was sitting. I know where I was sitting. And I said, Lord, what do I do now? Where do I go now? There's not another female pastor sitting on the front row with me. Where do I go now? There's people that are going to be trying to follow me. Where, what do I do now? And two things he told me, your husband and Pastor D. And so immediately I positioned myself, protection, watchman, speak into my life. I don't want to be out there some lone ranger just living like la vida loca. <laughs> like, uh, no. I've been there. I've been down that road. And that's the other thing. If you've been in the world and you've fallen into sin, you know how far you've come. And you do not want to go back down that road, right? We love purity. We love God. We love his presence. We love community with him. We love peace and purity and going to bed at night knowing our conscience is clear. We love that. And we don't want to sacrifice that. And so we position ourselves to be accountable to somebody that you love. Spouses, you should be accountable to your spouse. Ladies and gentlemen, 
your spouse probably knows you better than anybody else. They know your ups and your downs and your struggles. They know you, and they lay in the same bed with your grumpy tail. They do, and they wake up to your grumpy self in the morning. They know you. They know what makes you smile. They know what you struggle through. Lean into that and consider it. Why do we complain about these relationships of accountability when we have been given a gift and an honor? Lean into that and go, I love you and I trust you with my life. Lean in and grow from that. And if you're single, find a friend that you can be accountable to. I was watching a, um, a show, and it was about it was about surgeons, and there was this nationally resound, like, well-known, the best of the best cardiac surgeon in this scene, and he was just the best. Everybody wanted to learn from him, but he picked this one guy, and he said, I want you to start assisting me in my surgeries. The guy was like, I am busy. I, he was already a doctor, and he had all kinds of things he already had to do, so if he was going to assist this national top-of-the-line surgeon, he was going to have to add that to his plate. He wasn't going to get a break at his other job. And so the surgeon said, I see something in you, and I want to work with you, and I want you to learn from me. And he resisted it for a while until he found out that this surgeon only had about another year to live. This surgeon who knew so much and had years of experience in his field and could teach him things that no one else could teach him. And so he went back to him, and he goes, when's your next surgery? I want to assist you. And, the, of course, the surgeon goes, who told you? Because he knew he had a change of heart because he found out about his illness. So he starts to work for him, and he's frustrated, and he's tired, and he's got dark circles, and he's barely making it. And, but he's added this to his plate, and he's, he's doing his best to be the very, very best assistant to this guy. He's trying so hard. And one day he walks in, and the surgeon's like, you don't look very good. He's like, oh, I'm just tired, but, you know, I'm here. I'm ready. He's just ready to go, ready to go, striving, striving, striving. And the surgeon goes, buddy, listen, I don't need you to prove anything to me. I don't need you to please me. I just need you to learn. Just be here and just learn. And if we can let that mantle of confidence and relaxation fall over us in life with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit nudges us, sorry, John, I keep using it as an example. When he nudges us and goes, hey, I need to talk to you about something. We stop and we go, okay, Lord, talk to me. I want this. We shift our focus from being upset about it or resisting it to embracing it and loving it. That's where real growth and real maturity comes. I just have a couple more scriptures to read and then I'm going to close. Matthew, would you put Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14 up there? There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain. Especially, okay, this is some tough words, but we're going to get through it, okay? Everybody just smile and know that we're not, I'm not calling you spiritually dull. You're not. You're here tonight. Especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Some of you are like, I need to read this verse to my kids. <laughs> you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. 
For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Every single one of you in this place, you're not an infant. You've been serving God for at least a year. You're not an infant. You're not a baby. You know the, the, the difference between right and wrong. So own it. I know the difference in right and wrong. I'm not a baby. I'm a mature Christian. I don't fall for that anymore. I don't fall for that same temptation. I don't fall for that same attitude. I don't fall for that anymore. I'm not an infant. I know who I am. I'm grown. Can you imagine, Monica, if I was like, Monica, um, I just approach you and I start treating you like you're 12. And I'm all, um, Monica, I need to make sure that I pack your lunch for your school, for you to go to work tomorrow. And I'm going to make sure I lay out your outfit for tomorrow. And I'm going to, and I start treating you like you're 12. You'd be like, girl, I am grown. Some of you need to put on the robe of grown spiritually. Seriously. And you need to, when, the, when those old, stupid, immature weaknesses come up, you're like, devil, I am grown. I do not act like that anymore. And you go find somebody and go, I do not know why I am tripping. I do not struggle with that anymore. Where, where did that come from? I am grown. I am not an infant sucking on a bottle anymore. I'm eating steak. Some of you just, I'm going to say it again, put on the garment of grown and live like you're a mature believer. Begin to walk like a true believer. Talk like a true believer. A mature, grown man of God. Men, you are grown. You do not fall for the same tricks of the enemy you fell for 10 years ago. You don't. That's not who you are. The reality of it is that you've been sitting in church, sitting in meetings, sitting under the anointing, sitting in, in worship services, going to conferences, listening to podcasts, reading books, doing all these things. But the follow through is where the fruit is. Hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing is great. Keep doing that. But then follow through with the things that you have heard a thousand times. It's time. It says in that verse, you should be teaching already. I'm going to hit you real quick with some truth. There are gifts in this room right now in your pocket that have not been pulled out. And they are dusty and dull. And I'm going to tell you something. If God, like we talked about earlier, if God's going to do a move and if God's going to usher us into the next season, it's going to take every single one of us in this room. It's not going to be Pastor Matt and Pastor Jen and Pastor John and Pastor Vali and Pastor Fabian show. It's not. It's going to take all of us stepping up and going, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What can I own? What ministry can I do? What ministry can I serve in? Where can I get engaged? Where can I be active in the kingdom of God? What can I do? Can I be the, the person who takes care of new visitors? Can I be the person who puts the boxes together? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I, how can I help? How can I be a part of things? Can I stand at the door and greet? Can I run the screens? Can I run the sound? Can I help with worship? What can I do? What gifts do I have? Can I teach? I know for a fact there are people in this room and you are called to teach and you have not been faithful with the gift. And I say that with humility, guys, because God's been grounding me over that and spanking me over that. Because <laughs> I, out of fear or whatever, have not been teaching as much as I should. Guess what? An Olympian doesn't train the week before the Olympics. 
don't sit around waiting for the big dance or the big day or the big race, and all of a sudden, oh, now I'm going to go to my gift because I got a big stage. No. Faithful practice week after week after week after week after week prepares you for the big dance. And you know what? I'm going to encourage you with this because I know that's a strong word. Some of you stopped being faithful because you're just discouraged. You're like, I just don't feel like it's using, I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like it's doing anything. What, what good is it? Obedience is never wasted. Using your gifting is never wasted. I don't care, Brianna, if it's you and two younger girls than you in 512 ministry, and you somehow find a way to pour into those two young girls' lives, that's never wasted. It has eternal purpose. It has, you have an eternal purpose and an eternal calling. Amen. All right, bow your heads, let's pray. Second Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And I know that tonight there were some things that were piercing your heart and piercing your soul. To be honest, I would much rather have just served up some chocolate ice cream tonight. But this is what God wants us to hear. Search me, O oh God, and know me. Test me. Search me, O oh God, and know me. Test me. God loves you so much tonight. But I believe with all my heart that there are some of us in this room standing at a crossroads, ignoring the watchmen of the Holy Spirit ignoring the watchman of the Holy Spirit and you don't even realize it but you've started to sound like the world you've started to think like the world maybe you do realize it maybe tonight you're like man man that's me Lord I don't know what happened I got busy I got distracted I made a series of choices and and I don't believe tonight that there are people that are just, have you haven't left God. That's not what we're saying. But there is a, a, a distance. There's a, there's a drifting that's taking place. I can see a ship and it's way off, far out offshore. And it's just barely, barely drifting. It doesn't have its anchor down. The anchor has not been thrown down. And so it's just drifting ever so slightly. And the people on the boat can't even tell that it's drifting. But after a few days and after a few weeks and then after a few months, all of a sudden, nobody on the boat can even see the shore. Because it's drifted and it's drifted and it's drifted and it's drifted. And the anchor of your soul the lover of your soul, your father, your God. He loves you. He wants you. He gave his son for you. He's given everything for you. 
he's just calling you back. He's saying, no, 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 throw that anchor down. I'm the anchor of your soul. I know you've waited a long time. I know you're still waiting for answered prayers. I know that you're still facing the day-to-day trials. I know that you've been hurt. I know that you've made mistakes. I know, babe. But I'm right here asking you, calling you, come back to me. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen people who are more spiritual, more mature, more godly than me that have fallen and never come back. But I don't believe that's you tonight. I believe that tonight your ship can still see the shore. And you know what the Holy Spirit's telling me is that because you can still see the shore, because you can still sense His presence once in a while, you think you're safe. But your anchor is not down. Your anchor isn't isn't in the word. Your anchor isn't in his presence. Your anchor isn't in relationship with him and obedience and follow through. Just soften your heart right now. It's just between you and God. This is not even about me. It's about you and it's about your Jesus. God wants to do something right here in this room so that then we can rise up and we can go win a world that needs Jesus. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Lord, speak to me. Speak to us. Where am I drifting? Where have I pulled my anchor up and, and, and put things before you? Where have I decided not to believe you because I'm tired and I'm jaded and I'm weary? I told God a few days ago, I'm just, I'm weary, I'm tired. Just press into him tonight, just relax in his presence right now. Let the Lord just love you and welcome you and draw you back to himself. Because if you're resisting God, it's because you've believed an enemy version of God. A false version of who he is. The Bible says, I'm going to quote this again, I have loved you with an everlasting love and you are mine. I have called you by name and you are mine. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just take his yoke and learn of him. Come back to what you know. Go back to the basics. Get into the sanctuary and seek his face in the morning like you used to. I believe God right now is stirring in your heart. You know exactly what he wants to do. You know exactly what he wants to say. You know exactly what needs to happen in your heart tonight. So I'm going to just give you a few minutes. If you would, everybody just go ahead and stand with me in that same spirit of reverence. Don't look at your phone. Don't look around. Just keep your eyes closed. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do a work tonight, individually. Only you know, Lord. Speak to people's hearts. Guide people. Reveal to people the truth of your love. Bring a humble and a contrite spirit. Bring a, a responsive and tender heart to us. Give us a heart that's tender. Give us a heart that's 
inclined to understanding. Give us a heart that wants you and wants to do right. Give us a heart that's not competitive. Give us a heart that's not proud. Give us a heart that's not jealous. Give us a heart that's not perverse. Give us a heart that's not full of lies. Give us a heart that's not full of anger. Give us a heart, oh God, for you and for your word and for the people in our lives. Change our hearts. Shift our hearts. Do a work in our hearts. Give us the courage that it takes to make the right choice like Daniel. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break every chain and every bondage and every stronghold. I'm going to just give you the opportunity here in a second when I tell you to just come to the altar and pray. If, if God's tugging on your heart, if God's drawing you in any particular way, tonight was not to make you feel condemned. Tonight was to draw you back to God and say, hey, warning, wake up, hello, careful. Careful, careful. Everything tonight was from the overflow of what God's been doing in my own life. So I'm the first one up here. I'm the first one at this altar bowing my knee and saying, Lord, cleanse me, wash me. If you're here tonight, just in your own personal reverent time with God, I want you to come to the altar, bow your knee, and just spend some time in his presence. You can go ahead and come when you're ready. Matt, you can turn that up. Jesus Christ, passion is his name. He traded all his glory for our shame. Like he rose in freedom from the ashes, we will rise from death to life again. I see. you spend a few minutes just telling the Lord you're sorry. Just let him start to instruct you now. Just say, Lord, 
I position myself to take your yoke upon me and to learn of you. Now instruct me. Ask him, say, Lord, instruct me. Show me. Speak to me. I, I've been far from you, but now, Lord, I want to hear you. Remind me, what is it that I've missed? Where is it that I've held back because of fear? Where is it, Lord, that, that you want me to engage and activate and, and step out? Let him speak to you lovingly. Let him, let him instruct you as a good father. instructs you. Now I just want you to make a personal commitment to him and say, okay, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I hear you. I hear you. Now help me, Father. Give me the grace to follow through. Give me the grace to take that step. It might be something difficult. It might be something small. But whatever it is, just say, Lord, now I, I hear you and I commit to doing that, but instruct me and give me the grace that I need to walk this out. Whatever it is, maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's walking in love with a difficult person. Maybe you've struggled with lying and, and you know it's wrong, but you can't seem to stop. Maybe it's some type of other sin and, and you just need to say, Lord, I hear you. Now give me the grace to walk this out. Give me the grace to walk out the righteousness that you bought for me. Just pray that for a few minutes. now in that same spirit of humility I want you to reach out just to one other person just kind of find one person that you love and trust that's near you and you don't even have to talk to each other you don't even have to tell each other you can if you want to but I want you just to agree with one another the Bible says where two or more are gathered there I will be in their midst if two shall agree as touching anything, it'll be done for my Father, which is in heaven. There's something that breaks in our lives when we're humble enough to look at somebody else and say, I'm having a hard time. You don't even have to go into detail. Just draw strength from one another and begin to pray for one another. 
I don't know how many times a week I find somebody that I trust and go, I'm having a hard time, would you pray with me? That's just a, it's just an outward act of humility that breaks that stronghold. Whatever it is that's attacking us, it, it breaks it and exposes it. So if you'll just look at somebody and begin to ask them, hey, I'm struggling, would you pray with me? Something will start to break over your life. And pray for one another with authority and with love and with compassion right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and find somebody, everybody in this room. Go ahead. Come on, it's time to follow through. see some people that are by themselves find somebody and pray with them Father in Jesus name as we agree for one another Lord we just thank you that there's power in unity we thank you that there's power in humility we thank you that there's power in brokenness we thank you that there's power in trust and friendship and covenant. We know the example of Naomi and Ruth. We know the example of David and Jonathan. And so Lord, right now I pray that you would begin to knit hearts together in this place. Begin to build trust and humility, trust through humility. Begin to build hearts that are, that are united together between husband and wife. Father, I thank you right now that there's a deeper level of trust and, and, and humility and brokenness and healing taking place. Lord, right now, I thank you that if there's any wounds that are deep down, any betrayal, any wounds, any hurts, any abuse, it's coming up and being healed by the power of the blood of Jesus. Father, we just thank you so much that you're a good, good father, that you watch over our souls, that you love us. We need you and we love you, Father. Awaken our hearts again, God. In Jesus' name.